The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Good to be here again uh, with you in the house of the Lord, and it's an honor to, to speak to you and uh, tell you uh, what God is doing in Persia. And as I mentioned this morning, uh, you hear all the bad news uh, through the media and uh, about terrorism and killing. Uh, you see that Iran is... Uh, long enemy of America and Israel, uh, but apart from that, God is doing something in Iran. So let's uh, uh, see what God is doing in Persia. Uh, I want to take you through uh, the history of Persia, where our country uh, came into existence, when it was, and who was the founder of Persia. So we're going to learn a little bit of history first, and then we'll see what God is doing and he's been doing through throughout the history of the world and what he's doing there right now so i'm gonna use uh, my clicker let's see if this works um it does not it was working but it's not working now for some reason i checked it promise i promise you it was working there we go. Okay, here we go. So this is uh, our country map, and population uh, is 80 million. So 80 million people speak in Farsi or Persian language. And um, so after the flood, you had three sons of Noah, Ham, and Shem, and Japheth. And uh, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 10. If you turn with me to to Genesis chapter 10, and we're going to learn about the sons of Shem. Uh, you found the table of nations in Genesis chapter 10. All the nations that came into existence, they came into existence through the sons, three sons of Noah, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. So you have Ham there, you have Shem and Japheth. Uh, Arabs came through Ham. These are Arabs. And uh, Je Westerners, like Europeans and even Americans, they came through Japheth. This is your father. You are descendants of Japheth. But Shem, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 10, verse 22. It says the children of Shem, he had five sons. The first one is called Elam. So Elam and Asher and Arphaxad and Lud and Aram. So first one is called Elam, who was the founder of Iran, our country. How do you know that, you might ask? Well, I know that because I grew up in Iran. And in Iran, we have, if you go to the western Iran over here, you have the city of Elam, Elam, which has about half a million population. It's a big city. And not far from Elam, there is a city called, we call it Shush. That's Shush and the palace where Nehemiah and Esther was, Ezra, you know, those people in the Bible we read. So it's not far from Elam. It's right here somewhere, Shush. And then there is another city called Toysarkan, where uh, Esther, Esther's and, and Esther and Mordecai's tombs are. And Daniel's tomb is in Shush. Daniel's tomb is in Shush. If you go to Shush, the city not far from Elam, you'll see Daniel's tomb and Esther and Mordecai as well which I never knew anything about. I didn't know who Daniel was. I never heard about Esther. I never heard the name Mordecai or Esther as a Muslim because they don't teach us anything about biblical character. Uh, all they teach us is Muhammad and, 
and all Islamic char characters. So Elam, well, obviously, uh, he was the founder of, uh, of Iran. Why? Because son of Shem, uh, it's called, the first one is Elam. God said to eight souls who got saved out of the flood, he said, be fruitful and multiply and scatter around the world. They had to scatter. They had to be fruitful and multiply. And obviously, Elam, who was the son of Shem, he got married. Obviously, he had children. And his children, number, his number grew and became later on a nation, nation of Persia. And um, then King Cyrus, who was the, our, our first king, uh, he took over. He became a king of uh, Iran. So, but look at Asher is Assyria. But look at the third one, Arphaxad, and verse 24. Same chapter, chapter 10, verse 24. And Arphaxad begat Selah, and Selah begat Eber. Eber, in, in Hebrew, you don't have, you don't say Hebrew, you say Eber. So that's Hebrew, father of Hebrews. Arphaxad had a son called Eber, who was the father of Hebrews. Abraham was a Hebrew man in Genesis 14, verse 13. So this... Uh, you know, Jews and Persians, they are brothers. They were descendants of Shem, Shemites. Uh, Shemites, they were this. And God, uh, you know, in Genesis you read that, blessed be the Lord God of Shem. God blessed Shem, not Ham or Japheth. Why? Because Shem means name. And Jews would say Hashem. Hashem is the article and Shem means name, the name. Because they won't name the name of Jehovah. They won't mention it because it's very sacred for them. So they don't mention the name of Jehovah, but they say Hashem, the name. Why? Because God wanted to reveal a name to the world through Shem. Not through Ham or Japheth, but through Shem. Which name? The name which is above every name. Jesus Christ. And uh, Jesus came not through Ham or Japheth, but through Shem. Not through Elam or Asher, but through Arphaxad. And Abraham, Isaac, and Jab Jacob, and line of the tribe of Judah. And Jesus came and he sent Believers, he said, go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So God had a plan. You see, God's plan, he, he had planned to save all nations, not just one uh, nation of Jew, you know, Israel. But anyway, so Jews and Persians are brothers. We always had good relationship with, with Israel. Iran always had. Uh, King Cyrus, he, he supported Jews and many Persian kings and that's why God blessed Persia. Uh, when you read about Persia, you know, we had the biggest kingdom in history. And, but Ayatollah came in 1979, and according to Islam, Jews and also Christians, they are worst of all creatures. Quran says Jews and Christians, just people of the book, it's called. People of, I love that title that Quran gives. People of the book. I love that. I'm, I'm a person of the book. <laughs> Amen. Uh, the best thing that I like about Quran is that one, that title that gives us. People of the book are worst of all creatures, but it, it lowers you down. You know, God created man in his image, but religion lowers you down, lower than an animal. Like you, according to Islam, are worse than a pig. That's an insult to Almighty God who created you in his image. So um, Ayatollah came and, and he said that America is the biggest Satan, the great Satan, America, and little Satan, Israel. You have to curse them. So I grew up going on the street, you know, in special festivals and days that we have in Iran.
we have to curse our enemy, uh, uh, America, and curse our you know, second enemy, Israel. I grew up cursing you and Israel, and I apologize for that because I didn't know any better. I was cursed with the religion of Islam. Islam curses you. But thank God that in 2009, that curse was lifted up from my life, and I've been blessed through Jesus Christ. I've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, Bible tells us. I've been blessed, and thank God for it. So, but our history goes back all the way to the flood. And after the flood, Elam founded that, that country, but it grew. And later on, King Cyrus, who was our first king, he defeated Babylon and established his monarchy in our country. And his name means like the sun, like the sun. It goes back to his religion. They worship the sun and uh, light and darkness. And we're going to read, so this is Zoroastra or... Uh, we call him Zertosht in Iran, who was the founder of Zoroastrianism. And uh, this is in Cyrus' time. The first religion of Persia was Zoroastrianism. And they, they believed in dualism, two gods. Ahura Mazda was the good god. Uh, rising from the east where the sun arise, when they saw this uh, sunrise and light, they thought that this, there's this god called Ahura Mazda, they called him. And this god is causing this light and blessing in this world. And you heard about Mazda car. You, you got a brand, a car brand called Mazda. That's where they got that from, Ahura Mazda. So if you have a Mazda car, I'm not saying that your car is a demon possessed. I'm not saying that. <laughs> so <laughs> Ahura Mayu was the evil god, or we call him Ahriman, evil god from the west where the sun, sun sets. You know, sun sets and it becomes dark and darker at night. They thought this, this evil god, Auromenu, is causing this darkness and evil in the world. So they worship these two gods. These two gods are always struggling. They are equal in power, kind of. They're fighting with each other. They try to balance each other out. But we know that that's, that's heresy. That's not true. Because our God is almighty God. He's not balanced with anything. And uh, so uh, that's what they believe. They believed in good deed and good thought and good word. It was about doing good. By doing good, you're going to go to heaven. And we know that that's totally false because there is none good, no, not one. There is only, there's one good, that's Jesus Christ. You have to have his goodness to go to heaven. Otherwise, all you have is filthy rags, and you can't offer that filthy rag to God to be approved. So they, they worship, you know, uh, they said that if you are a bad person, if you do wrong, you're going to go to hell. If you do good deeds, you're going to go to heaven. That was their uh, religion, basic uh, teachings. And we're going to read about Isaiah, I mean, King Cyrus and book of Isaiah, which is uh, a prophecy about 176 years before King Cyrus, which is amazing. Thus says the Lord, that's Jehovah, to his anointed. Anointed in Hebrew is Mashiach, which is Messiah. Uh, not Christ, not the son of the living God, but the chosen one. Anointed means the chosen one. God chose Cyrus to Cyrus. Why did God choose Cyrus? In verse 40 tells us why. It says, for Jacob my servant's sake and Israel mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. So God is saying to Cyrus, Cyrus, you didn't even know me. You knew different God. You knew Ahura Mazda and Ahura Mayu. But I am the one who called you for, for Jacob's sake, 
I've called you. Why? Because God knew that in the future, they already, they were turning their back on God, and God knew that he's going to send Babylonians to come and defeat them and take them captives for 70 years, and Jeremiah prophesied that he said, because you're not surrendering to God, and you're not worshiping God only, and God is going to send Babylonians, and you're going to go there for 70 years as a captivity, and after 70 years, God is going to raise a king uh, from north, and he's going to come and deliver you. And uh, that was King Cyrus he mentioned. Uh, so God chose Cyrus. This Cyrus was not a common name. It was just a local name, but God is still mentioning his name 176 years before he was born. And uh, he said, you didn't know me, but I was the one who chose you. And verse 5, he said, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. And look at verse 6. Not only God mentions his name in the Bible, but he mentions whom he believed, what religion he worshipped. He said that they may know that from the rising of the sun, that's the good God, Ahura Mazda, and from the west, which is evil God, Auro Mayu, that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Not Ahura Mazda or Auro Mayu, King Cyrus. King Cyrus didn't even exist this, at this point. It, this is a prophecy 176 years before he was born. Isn't that amazing? Our God gives us the end from the beginning. And uh, if you know the Lord, you know in a million years where you will be. That's in the Revelation. You read the back of the book, you'll be in New Jerusalem in millions of years. And uh, he gives us the end from the beginning. So if you have trusted Jesus Christ, you know where you will be in 1,000 years. But if you don't know him, you will never be sure of going to heaven. I trust that you have trusted Jesus as your Savior tonight. So um, but something happened to him, and he got to know the Lord. He, King Cyrus got to know the Lord Jehovah. And this is like later on, 200 years later, he is born, and he's now defeated Babylon. He's reigning, and this is his decree. He made a proclamation. Ezra chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, let's see what he said. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia. Look what he said. He said, the Lord, that's Jehovah in Hebrew. Jehovah, God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He is exalting Jehovah. You know, he didn't know him. He, he knew Ahura Mazda. And uh, uh, Josephus said that one of the Jewish priests showed his name in the Bible, and he saw his name in the book of Isaiah that was written earlier, like 176 years earlier, and he was astonished to see his name in the book of Isaiah. And uh, so some people, some scholars say that that was Daniel who showed his name in the Bible. That could be Daniel, um, because Daniel served all the way from Babylonian captivity to, to the Persian Empire, so he was, he was in Persia, Daniel, and he was the third ruler, kind of, in the kingdom, and could be Daniel. But anyway, so he, he said, Jehovah, God of heaven has given me all these kingdoms. He didn't brag like King Nebuchadnezzar. Remember King Nebuchadnezzar, he was in his palace. He said, isn't this great Babylon that I have built it? 
with the might of my power for the honor of my majesty. And uh, he was just bragging, I have done all this, uh, you know, uh, great uh, empire that I have built it. And a voice fell from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, your kingdom is departed from thee. They shall drive you from man, and your dwelling place shall be with the beast in the field, and, and seven times shall pass over you until you acknowledge that God of heaven reigns in the kingdom of man. And he was driven away from man. He was in the, uh, in the field like an oxen. Bible says that he was eating grass for seven years. And after seven years, Bible says that his understanding returned unto him. He acknowledged that that's Jehovah, not himself. He had, he had no power. Uh, that tells me that Joe Biden had no power to become a president in America. That was Jehovah. That was Jesus. God allowed him to be a president. I don't, I don't understand why, <laughs> because God knows why. I don't know. Maybe he's judging America, but he knows it. But anyway, so he said, the Lord God of heaven, he acknowledged, number one, Jehovah as the true God. And, and he said, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Number two, acknowledge Jerusalem, which is the holy city, belongs to Jews. And number three, in verse three, who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him. Now he acknowledges God's people, Jews. When you get saved, what happened? You are, you are interested in Jews. You want to support them. Well, Israel to me was like, if, if in Iran, if you want to use a curse word, you could say, hey, you're a Jew. That means you're cursing him. Jew is like very evil, bad name that you can use in, in the Middle East. To Muslims, Jews are very evil, very bad. So that, that was my mindset towards Israel. I hated them. But when I got saved, guess what happened? I had this great desire to go to Holy Land, to go to Israel, to see the places where Jesus was, where he was born and where he was, uh, you know, uh, where he was cru crucified and resurrected and everything. I wanted to go and see the place. And I went there. You saw probably uh, in the video that I went to the Holy Land. I took some pictures there. I enjoyed being there. So this is King Cyrus, who got to know the Lord. Now he's interested in their city, Jerusalem. He's interested in, in his people, the Jews. He knows that they are a special chosen nation. And he's God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord. Number four, he acknowledged the house of the Lord, the temple. If you know the Lord, you are interested in his temple, his place of worship, church. If you are saved, you want to come to church. And that's what King Cyrus was. This is sounds like he had a fruit, fruit of his salvation, New Old Testament term kind of. Uh, uh, well, we didn't have new birth in the Old Testament, but sounds like he's saved. And uh, he said, look at this, house of the Lord, God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. This is a proclamation. He wanted to let the world know that he worships Jehovah. He is the true God. And he ruled all over the world in his time. And uh, so I grew up you know, in Iran, and I never heard about King Cyrus saying this. Do you think this Ayatollah would allow us to learn about King Cyrus? He's, he said, build the house of the Lord Jehovah, God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. No, they don't allow us to learn about King Cyrus. He said, Jehovah, God of Israel, the Israel which Muslims hate. So I never learned anything about this till I went to, I went to Australia and I started reading the Bible. I noticed that 
Persia is mentioned in the Bible. I said, Persia, is that our Persia or is there any other Persia in the world? And I noticed that King Cyrus is there. Is that King Cyrus, like our king? And I noticed Darius is there and so many other characters, uh, Persian kings. I was astonished to see. I thought that this book is like Westerners, like American book. <laughs> but I realized that no, it's not. Actually, it was started right where we are, like Eden was um, the west of Iran uh, and east of Iraq in, in Mesopotamia, which is not far from us. Uh, so anyway, I noticed that, well, Bible, God started the nation and everything right there. So it's amazing. And uh, when Jesus was born, uh, wise men came from the east to worship Jesus Christ. They acknowledged that Jesus was God and they traveled from Persia. They were Persian uh, wise men. They came and they worshipped Jesus Christ and they presented their gifts. And when I witness to Muslims, uh, to Iranians, I tell them, and Iranians hate Arabs. Arabs hate Persians, which is not good. You shouldn't hate anybody, but this is long animosity that they have. And they love King Cyrus. And I tell them, I said, King Cyrus, our first king, he believed in Jehovah. He said, God of Israel, he is the God which is in Jerusalem. Not only King Cyrus, our first king, believed in the God of the Bible, but when Jesus was born, the first foreigners, first uh, foreigners that worshipped Jesus, they acknowledged that Jesus is God. They believed in him. They worshipped him. They were Persians. That means before America became a Christian nation, Iran was a Christian nation. And before even Europe, Europe and other places, and not only that, I tell them five, six, five books of the Bible out of 66 books were written in Persia, in our country, like book of Nehemiah, book of Ezra, book of Esther, some parts of Daniel, and book of Habakkuk. These five books were written in Iran. So I tell them, you see, this, this book is partially a Persian book. You see that Quran, that's Arabic. Give it back to Arabs and let them have their own religion, religion of Islam. So really? I didn't know that. They get, they get shocked to hear this truth because Satan doesn't want you to know the truth. He wants you to be blinded, to be deceived. And uh, so on the day of Pentecost, 16 different nationalities participated the Feast of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 we read. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Who were they? In verse 9. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cabrosia in Pontus and Asia. So those three names, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, this is the map. This is the map of Iran today, but this is ancient map of Iran. King Cyrus ruled all over like India to, to Asia Minor to even to Europe and to Africa, Egypt. But Iran today is like here which Media and Parthia and Elamites. So they were Persians. They were Iranians. They traveled, went to Jerusalem, and 3,000 souls got saved on the, the day of Pentecost, and they went back to Persia. When they went back to Persia, guess what happened? They preached the gospel. And when they preached the gospel, people got saved, and churches were established in Persia. And Hippolytus uh, said that Six disciples of Jesus Christ out of 12, they went 
as far as India and Persia and Babylonia, everywhere. But they went to Persia, to our country, preaching the gospel. And three of them were martyred in Persia for preaching the gospel. And these six disciples of Jesus, when they preached the gospel, guess what happened? People got saved in Persia. A lot of Zoroastrianists got saved. They came out of Zoroastrianism, and they were persecuted by Zoroastrianists. And uh, later on, in 7th century and 8th century, when Arabs invaded our country, uh, then Muslims persecuted Christians. So you see in, in Iran, Christians have been persecuted since the beginning of Christianity till today. They have been persecuted. So they need your prayer. Iran is the toughest country that Christians have been persecuted all the time. So this is a church in Isfahan in Iran, a church of Julfa in Isfahan, which is in the center of Iran. It's an old church. Uh, you can go and visit this place, which is historical. It's not a church to, to go and worship Jesus. You can't do that. You'll be arrested and put in jail for worshiping Jesus in Iran. So you, we don't have churches in Iran, but this is historical church from first and second century. This is another church. And this beautiful church building is from third century. Because of the preaching of the gospel, a lot of churches were planted. And, um, and another church, not far from my hometown, this church is very old, still there, uh, like 17, 1800 years old these buildings are. And uh, so first king was King Cyrus, and this is Shah of Iran. Shah means king. So this is the last king of Iran. So our country was like a Britain uh, monarchy system we had, which was totally different than what Ayatollah did to our country. He changed the country. So this is Shah, his family. He died about 30 years ago, and his family, they they fled to America. They came to America, and his family are still, his wife is alive, and his son is grown up, and he's like 50-something years old. He wants to go back to Iran to reestablish his father's kingdom, but he needs a lot of power to do that. And uh, in Shah's time, one US dollar was 70 real, 7-0. Our economy is gr was great that time. It was very strong. And we had a good relationship with America and with Israel as well. We had a good relationship. Our country was really developing and very modern in that time. And this is 1970s pictures. You see no hijab, no covering, uh, like as you see today on the media. This is like per typical Persian couple in the 1970s. And we're going to study four prophecies about the end time. What go what's going to happen to the end of Persia? in the future, which is like today. What's going to happen? This is a prophecy in Jeremiah 2,600 years ago, which is amazing. There are four prophecies. We're going to study this. Jeremiah 49, verse 34 to 39. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah, the prophet, against where? Elam. This is a prophecy for which country? Iran, right? How many of you did not know where Elam was? You read this passage and you didn't know what is that talking about? Where is this Elam? How many of you, t hand up, all over, the uh, okay, yes, yeah, so many uh, people, when I speak in churches and everything, they don't know where Elam was. This is our country. This is a prophecy about Persia, Iran. In the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, 
Behold, I will break the bow of Elam, the chief of their might, and upon Elam will I bring the four winds from the four quarters of heaven, and number one prophecy, and will scatter them, will scatter Iranians toward all those winds, and there shall be no nation whether the outcasts of Elam shall not come. So number one prophecy, God is saying that I'm going to, in the future, I'm going to scatter Iranians. They're going to flee. They're going to go to many nations. They'll be scattered. That's me. I'm, I'm part of that uh, prophecy, fulfillment of that prophecy. And this is Ayatollah. Ayatollah was the one who was used by, by God uh, to come to our country to cause a lot of persecution and that that caused a lot of people to flee to be scattered around the world so he came and he gave speech and he gave promises he said I'm gonna give you freedom of religion free education free medication I'm gonna put food on your table free everything will be free sounds familiar politicians and people said wow this is great we never seen any uh, rich and powerful politicians like him sounds like he's gonna give us everything free that's wonderful please take over and be our leader and rule over us and he took over so easy he came and he became a leader and and um, and a few months passed by nothing happened nothing was free years passed by nothing was free and um, in fact the country was going down he started war with Iraq for eight years and everything and some people went on the street to protest against him to say, where is your promise? You told us to give us freedom of religion, free food, free medication, everything. What happened? And uh, guess what will happen if you protest against an Islamic leader? According to Quran, if you protest against an Islamic leader, you'll be put to death. That's what he exactly did. He was like practicing Quran. He killed 4,000 people in one day. Uh, and um, he forced a woman to have hijab to cover their bodies. And, and he killed a lot of Christians. These preacher, uh, preachers were martyred. And he hung Christians in public. I need to go there. So, so many kids here, so I don't want to stay there longer. But he wanted to uh, give lessons to people not to convert to Christianity. So nobody would become a Christian. Publicly, he hanged them. And um, so he wanted to destroy Christianity, to change the country totally to an Islamic country. And he burned the churches. And in Shah's time, when he took over, when Ayatollah took over, they said we had only 500 born-again Christians. So many Catholics, but only 500 born-again Christians. I don't know what Christians were doing in Shah's time. Maybe because we were rich and well-off well and everything, and Christians were cold, not doing soul-winning evangelism, maybe. And uh, the churches were dying already, and God wanted to wake them up. Maybe God is doing something to America today, sending Joe Biden. I don't know what God is doing. But uh, Ayatollah came, and he wanted to destroy churches. And uh, he had war with Iraq for eight years. And that caused a lot of people to flee. And we had a lot of Jews lived in, in Iran because King Cyrus, when he, he came and he 
He defeated Babylon. He said to Jews, go, go back to Jerusalem, rebuild the house of the Lord. He gave, them, he gave them silver and gold. He supported them to go back. But many of them did not go back. They had houses, they had businesses and everything. They said, wow, this is like a Messiah. This is a great king. He's so loving. We're not going to, uh, you know, close down our businesses and sell our houses to go back to Jerusalem, to Israel. We're going to stay here. He's a great king. A lot of Jews stayed back. And some people, some Jews went back under the leadership of Ezra and Zerubbabel. They rebuilt the house of the Lord later on. But many of them stayed back till Ayatollah came. We had about a million Jews lived in Persia, in our country. When Ayatollah came, they had to flee. They had to flee. And um, that was another fulfillment of prophecies. You know, in the Bible, you read in, the, in Deuteronomy, in many places, I will gather my people from all over the world and will bring them to their own land uh, in the future, in latter days. That was God used Ayatollah to cause persecution so that his people would go back to Jerusalem. God used Hitler so that Jews were united. He, they went back to their country and they reestablished their country after, like, miraculously after 1900 years. And in Russia, so many Jews went back to Israel because of persecution. So God did that. Why? Because the king is coming. Amen. Jesus is coming back. So there has to be a nation of Israel so that Jesus would reign from Jerusalem. The law of the Lord shall proceed out of Zion. So there has to be Zion. There has to be Israel. So anyway, Ayatollah and persecuted so many, even singers. People would sing, you know, pop singers. They had to flee because music was banned and they had to flee. Christians had to flee. And uh, officials who were working for Shah, they had to flee. A lot of people fled uh, just... In 1979, they went many countries to many countries, and some churches in England, uh, in Netherlands, in Europe, in America, they reached out to these Persians who were scattered. And these Persians are uh, worshiping. A church in London, a lot of Iranians got saved, and pastor gave authority to deacons to baptize so many Iranians in a pool. And, and I went to Australia uh, providentially, and Pastor Keith Piper led me to the Lord in 2009. And, um, and we started to witness to other Iranians in Sydney. And we witnessed to so many people. And, and when I witnessed to a, a Persian man, and he, this man got saved, and I asked him, I said, do you have any friend, uh, a relative, siblings, anybody who's not saved? He said, yes, I have, I have a friend, our, uh, my roommate. He's not saved. I said, can you bring him along? He brought his friend along next, next Sunday, and I was able to sit with him and witness to him, and he got saved. This happened since 2009, and over 2,000 Persians, Pastor Piper and I, were able to lead to the Lord. And thank God for just one church in Sydney. So God is working among Persians today. He's doing a lot. And... Uh, we had Bible study three times a week with them. They were so keen to learn and study the Bible. And we had English service, and we started Farsi service in 2012. And the Lord blessed it. And we had baptism every three, four months. We had 60, 70 Persians, ex-Muslims getting saved and getting baptized. This is uh, one day, uh, 61 new converts, ex-Muslims. You see they lining up to get baptized there. 
And uh, some of these people who came out of Iran and they got saved and they realized that they can't go back to Iran. That's why I have not been back to my country since 2006. And if I go back to Iran, they'll kill me for my conversion, for my preaching. And uh, so the only way to reach Iranians is through media. So Pastor Hormuz Shariat, he started satellite station in Dallas, Iran Alive Ministries. And he's been pro preaching uh, through satellite TV into Iran for about 20 years. And I was invited by George Zaris to come to America to record messages in studio in Atlanta, in Georgia. And it's been like two years now. I, I travel there. I record like one week. I record 40, 50, 70 messages sometimes in one week or two weeks. And we trans transfer the files to Dallas and from Dallas, Texas, through satellite station, we air the programs into Iran. And that's what we're doing. And we're covering three countries mainly. Iran, Afghanistan, and Tajikistan. Those three countries speak in Farsi, all three of them. 110 million people speak in Farsi. And it's interestingly, in Iran, it's against the law to have a satellite dish. You're not allowed to have any satellite dish. This is a picture in Tehran. Somebody's laughing. Why are you laughing for? Do you see any satellite dish there? <laughs> Sounds like they, they everywhere. <laughs> you can't ban people you know, from anything. They're going to get it in black market. People are so sinful, so selfish, so rebellious. So they get them in black market. And actually, my job was, when I was in Iran, my older brother had electronic store, and we would sell like cell phones and TV and, and stuff like that. But we also, we were smuggling satellite dishes and receiver from Azerbaijan, which is southern Russia. And we would uh, hide the satellite dish in our homes, not in this store. You can't keep it in this store because it's, you're not, it's illegal. You'll get fined for it. You'll be put in jail for having satellite dish. So my, my brother would sell the satellite dish and, and receiver. And my job was to go and install them at night, not in day, because people will see what you're doing. So at night, I would install the satellite dish on top of roof, not knowing that I was, God was preparing me for my future ministry, that I would get the gospel through the satellite TV into Iran, which is amazing. God is amazing. <laughs> it's just amazing. So each satellite dish represents the gospel. So the church, you don't have churches there. No pastors, no missionaries. The door is closed. Satan thinks that he's smart, that nobody can go there. Nobody can get saved, but God has opened the door that no man can shut. This signal comes through the air. How do you want to block that signal that comes through the air? And 60 out of 80 million people have satellite dishes, and even officials have it, because public channels are boring. We have only six public channels, and all of them are boring. Channel one, you turn it, you see somebody's reading the Quran. Channel two, somebody's chanting the Quran. Channel three, somebody's teaching the Quran. And these young people are, uh, they're not interested in Islam especially. They want to explore to see what's happening in America, in Europe. They want to tune in to universe to see, to watch movie and sport. So they get satellite dish. Uh, so 60 out of 80 million have satellite dish. It's out of control. So God has opened the door that no man can shut, which is amazing. It's amazing. So authorities come. Sometimes they take the dishes down. They, they give fines to people. But look at this man. 
he picked it up. <laughs> so, so they they get them all the time, and he's carrying them like publicly. <laughs> you have to be very bold to do that. And uh, so people gather in homes, and they watch these Christian channels, and and um, secretly somebody watches it, and 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 he gets saved, and he tells his friend, and they gather in they. They watch and they end up getting saved. And I met a Persian couple in, in Texas uh, a couple of years ago and in a restaurant and noticed that they were Persians. I said, are you Persian? I could tell they, they look Persian. And they said, yes. And I, I noticed that they were Christians. And I said, how did you become a Christian? And they said, uh, we were watching, you know, we, we had satellite dish and we were tuning in, you know, turning channel one, two, all the way up to 300, 400. And... Uh, we noticed that one person was talking like his message was so different. It was like giving us hope. In, in Iran, there is no hope, no future for young people. Uh, there's no opportunities. And people are, a lot of them are educated but unemployed. So there is absolutely no future. And a lot of young people are drug addicts. They, they can't get married and they can't, you know, they struggle financially and everything. So. They're very depressed, and they are oppressed by government as well. And uh, so they smoke, and smoking doesn't help, so they go on drugs, and they try to be relieved, to have some peace. And uh, so when they hear the gospel message, that gives them hope, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they get, get saved. So this couple said, he said that, um, the guy said, he said, I was watching this TV, and I noticed this guy was giving different messages. I, I kept watching it, and my wife joined me. We kept watching. After like two, three months, uh, we, we saw something is happening in our hearts, listening to this preacher. And we ended up receiving Jesus as, as our Savior, and we got saved. So wonderful. I said, did you go to an underground church there? And they said, yes. We were going to a church there, underground church. And I said, how many people were going to, to church there? And uh, they said 200 people gathering secretly to worship Jesus Christ. Not all of them. Some of them are like two, three people. Some of them five, six small underground churches are growing everywhere. But he said 200 people. How do you do that? Apparently they decorate the front door. Sounds like there is a birthday party going on. But there is a party for the Lord. Not birthday party. party. But they last for a while. And uh, somebody, a neighbor, or somebody notices what's, what's happening there, and they report them all the time, and they get arrested, persecuted, put in jail. And uh, Majid was one of them who was arrested in underground church, and, he, and they said, renounce your faith in Jesus Christ. And you know what he said? He said, I'm proud to be a Christian. Look at his smile. He is not afraid of death because God transforms their lives there, and they can see that Jesus is real. He's not a religious person. It's not like Islam. They can see that their life is transformed. They, they are delivered from addiction, from hopelessness. They're rejoicing to have Jesus. And they know that they're going to go to heaven. So death is nothing for them. Death is like welcoming to heaven. So he's not afraid of death. He's smiling. Look at the smile on his face. He knows that he's going to be with his Lord Jesus Christ in a few minutes. And he was martyred and he's in heaven now. And so many Christians in Iran have been persecuted, just like Majid. And this couple, let me tell you their story. So, Behnaz, we 
Behnaz and her husband, uh, Mohammed. They were watching my program about two years ago when I started airing my program into Iran. They were watching my program and they heard the gospel and they communicated with me, corresponded with me, and, and uh, I was able to uh, ask them to join my class, my Skype online class. As Pastor mentioned that last night he was able to teach people in India through Zoom. I do it through Skype twice a week. And this afternoon I had a, a service. So people from Iran, from Turkey, I have disciples from, uh, from America, two of them in New York, another one in Indianapolis. One of them is in Netherlands, another one is in Germany. They join from all over the world, so I teach them, disciple them. Those people who watch my program and they join my class and I am able to lead them to the Lord over Skype, which is amazing. Personally, I witness to them. And uh, so Behnaz, uh, I witnessed to her and she got saved. And her husband was rebellious, like very strong Muslim. And, but in two months, he saw the changes in Behnaz, in, her, in his uh, wife and everything. He joined my class and he ended up getting saved. Both of them got saved. And after a few months, uh, I had a phone call from Behnaz and she was in trouble. And she said, I'm in trouble. I don't know what to do. I said, what happened? She said, apparently she was witnessing to her customers. She had hairdressing salon and, she, you know, hairdressing. And, and she was witnessing to her customers because she was joining my class and she was learning about Christianity. Okay, in Christianity, you don't have rituals. But what you have to do, you are Christ's witnesses. So you have to give witness to people. You have to witness to them. Tell them the gospel. So she thought, okay, this is, this is my duty. I have to do it. She was doing it wisely, witnessing to her customers. And um, some people, some customers recorded her voice while she was witnessing. And so one day, two ladies having hijab, just officials, they walked in and they said, we have your voice recorded while spreading your heresy to people. You got to come with us. And they, they shut down her store, her, her hairdressing salon, and took her to police station and she was there and she called her father to come and uh, her father came as well and they wanted to put her in jail and she had to go to court in 10 days and uh, her father had a friend who was uh, an official in hierarchy in in, in Iran so apparently his her father called this his, his friend and his friend called police station and he said don't let uh, Behnaz go to go to jail let her go free but she has to go to court in 10 days. So she went home and her father was confused because her father was very Muslim, radical Muslim, and she was hiding her faith. She didn't tell her father that she's a Christian, very fearful. And, uh, and anyway, so her father was confused and she called me, she said, this, this has happened, I have to go to court in 10 days, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, you have two options. You either confess that you're a Christian or deny your faith. I don't want to deny my faith. Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father, which is in heaven. I, I don't want to deny Jesus because he loves me. He's my Savior. He's not worthy of denial like Peter did. But if you confess that you're a Christian, I know what they're going to do to you. They're going to take you to jail. They're going to abuse you in so many different ways and in every way 
and they're going to punish you, and they're going to kill you in the jail. That's what they do to Christians in Iran. So, and she is young. She's 30 years old. I said, you don't want to do that. So another option. The third option is to flee quickly. In 10 days, you have 10 days to flee illegally. You know, get out of Iran somehow through the border. Flee, go to Turkey. And, and um, eventually, that's what she did. So she went home, and, and her father was angry, and, and he said, what is this accusation? Did you become a Christian? Is this true that you become a Christian? And she went to the kitchen, got a knife, and she brought the knife. She said, Dad, I grew up as a Muslim. I was told to pray five times a day in Arabic. I was forced to read the Quran. I was forced to practice Islam. I never enjoyed it. Uh, I never chose to become a Muslim but I had to do it. But I like to study, to search about other religions, to see what they practice. So I've been, I purchased the Bible, and I've been reading the Bible. This Bible has changed my life. I've been reading it, and I chose to, to follow Jesus. He has changed my life. He is my Savior. Now, Dad, here is the knife. If you want to take my life, you do it. You take my life if you want to. I'm not going to return to Islam. I love Jesus. You take my life if you want to. Otherwise, I don't want to go to this jail, to court, and c confess that I'm a Christian to be killed by these evil Muslims. If you want to take my life, you do it. So she called me. She said, I don't know what happened to me on that day. I was just, before that, I was so fearful. I was hiding my faith from my father because he's very radical Muslim. But on that day, I didn't know what happened to, to me. I said, I know what happened to you. The Holy Spirit came on you. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And uh, it was amazing. Book of Acts is happening in, in Iran. I can tell you a lot of stories that Book of Acts is happening today in Iran. And we, not, we, we don't know about it. It's happening. And so I don't have time to go through many stories like that, which is amazing. So they were able to flee to go to Turkey, and they are in Turkey now. And they have been a blessing to me. They introduced to a, lot of, a, a lot of people to our class. And they've been joining my class. They've been saved. And they witnessed in Turkey, wherever they are. And uh, after two years, both of them are just very grown spiritually. And Muhammad has been leading my class sometimes. He's been teaching. Because in two years, he's, he's grown up so much spiritually, so, um, which is a blessing. So pray for them. Uh, to be safe there in Turkey, and, um, uh, and uh, I'm praying about planting a church in Turkey. Maybe he can uh, lead the church there in Turkey. And in 2021, you know why U.S. dollar in Shastan was 70 real, 7-0? But now, after like uh, 41, two years, it's 280,000 real. It's worth nothing. So Ayatollah or Islam destroyed our country. Uh, people are fed up with Islam. They are sick of Islam. In the last two, three years, they have been so bold. Before that, they could not say any negative about Ayatollah. But this last three years, they go on the street, they, they say death to Ayatollah. We don't want Islamic regime anymore. They, they can't see how Islam ruined, destroyed our country, so they hate Islam. Many people are coming out of Islam. Some still blinded. Still deceived, but a lot of them are coming so fastly. They're coming out of Islam, which opens the door for the gospel. 
And they get shot by authorities all the time. They get killed. And uh, quickly, number two prophecy in Jeremiah. So number one, he said, I will uh, scatter Iranians among nations. That's happening. It's been happening last uh, 42 years. For I will cause Elam to be dismayed before their enemies. This is happening right now. Iran has a lot of enemies. Israel has threatened Iran. America has threatened Iran and so many. So Ayatollah is very threatened and he is very intimidated. And number three prophecy is in verse 38. And I will set my throne in Elam and will destroy from thence the king and the princess, says the Lord. So this is Jehovah in the Bible speaking. He said, I will set my throne. This is a throne uh, in Elam. He's going to travel to Persia, to Iran personally. And he's going to sit on his throne to do what? To judge. And he's, he's going to judge Ayatollah. He said, I will destroy from thence who? The king, which is the Ayatollah and the princes, the officials, says the Lord. So he's going to travel to Iran. We know that this is Jesus. He's going to judge the nations when he comes back. And he's going to deal with every country, every nation. But number four prophecy is wonderful. In verse 39, but it shall come to pass in the latter days when Jesus comes back, that I will bring again the captivity of Elam, says the Lord. That's me. I will bring them again. Where? To their own land. So number one prophecy, I will scatter them uh, because they're going to be persecuted and they're going to be scattered around the world. And, uh, and Iran will be dismayed, number two prophecy. And uh, number three, I'm going to come back and set my throne in Persia. I'm going to destroy this Ayatollah who, have, who has oppressed his own people, who has killed a lot of Christians. And then at the end, I'm going to bring them back. Those people who were scattered, like me and many others, millions of Persians, they're going to go back to Iran. Uh, well, we know that when Jesus comes back, he's going to set his throne. He's going to reign by righteousness and peace. And there won't be any war. So we'll be able to go back to our country. I'm looking forward to that day to go back and worship Jesus Christ in our country and plant churches in millennium. <laughs> looking forward to that. So after 42 years of persecution, you know, Ayatollah wanted to destroy Christianity. He burned the churches. Was he successful? Can you stop the work of God? No. Absolutely not. After two years of persecution, it's likely that more Muslims are coming to Christ in Iran. In Iran, not in America. In Iran than any other place in the world, which is just shocking. In a place that there is no church, no pastors, no missionaries, Jesus is building his church in Iran. He's using what? Like a donkey, satellite dish. He used a donkey in the Old Testament, didn't he, to speak uh, to Balaam. And God is using satellite, this piece of metal, to get that message into Iran. That's amazing. Our God is a miraculous God. Wonderful. And it, today in Iran, they say that we have about 7 million born-again Christians. You know, in uh, Shah's time, only 500. And Islam came, Ayatollah came. He meant it for evil, but... God meant it for good. Uh, so a lot of people saw how evil Islam was. Now these Muslims are brainwashing Americans. They say that Islam is a religion of peace. Don't believe it. It's religion of death. It's a religion of curse. It destroyed nations. You look at the Middle East, look at Africa. Islam is destroying people and nations and economy and everything. And uh, 
So this is what God is doing. He's building his church in Iran. And today, Christianity growth rate is 20% per year in Iran. It's doubling every four years. Uh, it's amazing. And uh, so after people get saved in Iran, because there is no church to go to, they go to underground church, but they, have, they don't have leaders. They don't have pastors. No Bible colleges to, to be trained. So I, I had burden for so many years because I went to Bible college. I was growing so fast. And I'm like, this is great, man. Iranians need a Bible college like this. So I had this vision to have a Bible college for Iranians and translate the Bible into Farsi. And God has been fulfilling these visions lately, which is just the last two, three years. It's been amazing. So I... I've been developing this Bible college called Besharat. Besharat means proclaiming good news. So Besharat BC, BesharatBibleCollege.org. I'm working on it. I have uploaded four different courses already. Like you can watch the video and there's PDF lessons. You can download the PDF lesson and there's fling. You have to fill it out. And, and, uh, and at the end, you have quizzes. You can take the quiz and, and pass it. If you pass, you get certificate. So I'm working on it. It's going to be published probably in May uh, soon. So pray that the Lord would bless this college. And Iranian, this will be a treasure for Iranians. In, inside the country, they're going to be able to enroll and take these courses for free and be trained to be able to uh, train others and preach the gospel more effectively. And uh, this is, uh, we just put this together, this website called Besharat Angel. Angel means the gospel. Besharat means proclaiming the good news of the gospel. BesharatAngel.com. We're reaching only Kabul in Afghanistan. Um, so we, uh, through Google Ads, so in Afghanistan, when, peop when people search for anything like Flickr, anything you want, they want to buy, they, they search on Google, they can see these ads popping up. It's usually not a good ads, evil ads and everything. But they can see uh, our ad. We pay Google like about three cents for each click. Like we have question, like are you sure of going to heaven? Something like that. And Afghanis are very radical Muslims, and they are they are interested in those kinds of questions. Like are you sure of going to heaven? And they click it. When they click that ad, that takes them to this website. Uh, and in website you have. I have seven different videos that they can watch uh, to learn about Christ and, and uh, to learn how to get saved. And I've got PDF lessons and videos and everything. And they can chat with me live. They send me message. And I've been receiving a lot of phone calls and chats last, uh, last month, about the month that we started this. And I, have, I had about 12,000 views on this website. 12,000 Afghanis in Kabul have viewed I don't know how many of them have been saved. I don't know, but they've been able to, uh, to explore and hear the gospel there. And uh, this June, uh, my wife and I, we're going to go to Armenia. And missionary Kent Labovi as well, he's going to travel with us. Uh, we're going to go to Armenia to reach out to Persians. We're going to invite Iranians to come to Armenia. So we're going to go to Armenia to have a Bible conference to train, to train Persians. They're going to cross to come to Armenia. And also from there, 
We're going to train Persians. They're going to go back to Iran to spread the gospel. But we're going to go to Turkey as well. So these two countries in June, this coming June, we need a lot of prayer. Pray that the Lord would help us to get there safely and not to wear a mask on the airplane. That's, that's a big trouble for us. You know, it's long distance. You know, you need to breathe. And pray that the Lord would protect us and use this time there so we can reach out to a lot of Iranians there to train them. And uh, so why do we do this? Why do we spend our efforts and time and resources uh, to witness? Why do we do this? Well, Revelation 4, 11 tells us, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. So God wants to receive glory. He's a glorious God. He wants to be glorified. You know, angels, they worship Jesus all the time. Holy, holy, holy. They glorify God. And God has every right to be glorified. And uh, so, but a lot of people do not know the Lord. They don't know Jesus. So they don't glorify God. So what is our duty? Well, we've been given great commission to preach the gospel. You know, it's not only for me. Great commission is for you, for everybody. You know, apostles, they didn't say, oh, I've been called to Jerusalem. I'm going to only reach Jews in Jerusalem. No, they went to Babylonia. They went to Persia. They went to India. They went everywhere. Why? Because Jesus told them. He gave them this commission to go everywhere. In Acts chapter 8, when persecution happened, believers, not just apostles, but believers scattered. Apostles, most of them, they stayed actually in Jerusalem, but believers scattered everywhere preaching the word. So it's your duty and my duty to preach the gospel to every creature, to Persians, to Indians, to Chinese, to Americans, to Europeans. That's Jesus has given it because that works. That helps all nations to get saved, to come to church and glorify God. That's our duty. Uh, are you going to be committed tonight uh, to, to fulfill that great commission? Because you're going to stand before Jesus one day at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm going to be stand, standing there before Jesus. I don't want to be ashamed to say, oh, Jesus, I, I was busy working. I was busy doing this and doing that. Uh, I have to give an account. I don't want to be ashamed. I want to be busy serving the Lord and getting this gospel out to reach people, to, to witness to people so that they can have chance to get saved. I'm going to finish with this, um, this testimony. We go to South Milwaukee and we reach, lately the, the Lord has opened the door in South Milwaukee to witness to Burmese Muslims. There are a lot of Burmese we found in South Milwaukee. And uh, one family, one couple, they had two daughters. One of them is about three years old, another one six, seven months old. Little sweet daughter, six, seven months and three years old. So we witnessed to them. They allowed us to come in. So we sat there, four of us. And there was this Burmese student at BCM. He came with us, so it was wonderful. I was witnessing and he was, he was interpreting it into Burmese. So this husband and wife, they both listened to the gospel, very open, very open to the gospel. They didn't get saved, didn't make decision, but they were open, very friendly. And his wife was so hospitable. She brought us this Burmese tea, which is not tea. It doesn't look like tea. It looks like coffee, but it's not coffee. 
It's not even coffee. It's something between tea and coffee, but very flavored, sweet, and very nice. I enjoyed drinking it. And she brought us this dessert. Uh, it was like coconut uh, round dessert wrapped in leaves, and it was just wonderful. She was so hospitable and kind towards us. And uh, so we had it. We witnessed to them, and we left. And second time, we went there. And uh, they were not home, but the neighbor downstairs. They lived upstairs, this couple. And, but their neighbor downstairs, he came. I was able to witness to him, and he got angry. He, he was like saying that Muhammad is the true, the last prophet sent by God. And, and uh, Christianity is uh, uh, corrupted, and Bible is corrupted. So he was angry. But anyway, so I, he didn't receive the word at all. And third time... We went there again to witness to this couple upstairs. And uh, the man wasn't there, but his wife was home. And uh, she let us in. So we sat there again, and she brought us again the same tea and, and dessert and everything. And we witnessed to her. And um, so she was open again. She listened. And after about two months, two months later, we decided to go back to see if they, they'll get saved this time. And we, we went there. Uh, went upstairs, and the man opened the door, and he said, my wife died. I'm like, what? He said, my wife died. And he started to cry. I'm like, are you serious? No, he said, his wife died. And I said, can, can we come in to pray for you? He said, yes. So we went inside. We sat there, and, uh, and we prayed for him. I opened the scripture to talk about, you know, you know, a little bit comfort, to comfort him through the scripture and everything. I'm like, man, his wife died. We witnessed to her twice. She heard full presentation, full gospel. I don't know where she went. Either she went to hell or heaven. I don't know if, if uh, apparently she had a heart attack. And uh, so they took her to hospital. In two hours, she passed away. Death came so fast. But I went home. I said, Lord, thank you. I'm, I'm innocent by her blood. Her blood is not on me. I witnessed to her. I don't know where she, whether she went, she went to hell or heaven. But I was relieved that I was able to share the gospel. I was so burdened to go back again to witness. But this neighbor came as I was comforting him and everything. This neighbor came and he was so angry. And well, when you serve the Lord, as Pastor uh, mentioned this morning, you have opposition. Enemy of Christ comes. And he came and he was so angry. And he said to them in Burmese, and they were like 10 people inside home, like, they had like family funeral. And this couple from downstairs came and they were saying in Burmese, like, tell them to get out of here. They're like uh, infidels. They are ungodly Christians. They try to deceive you. Tell them get out of here. Like they were so angry, we could tell. And these people, Muslims, they're all Muslim, they were listening to us. I could tell that they were arguing with this couple, angry couple. I didn't know what was happening. But apparently this Burmese student that came with me, he was saying that, they were defending us. Like, praise the Lord. Muslims are defending us because we were there to comfort, to pray for uh, this man who lost his wife. They were supporting us uh, and defending us against that evil Muslim who were, uh, you know, this couple who were trying to oppose us. So we didn't stay longer. I said, let's, let's go. We'll come back again. I don't want conflict. I don't want to fight with this man. And um, so anyway... You see, uh, opportunities are everywhere. Great Commission is so important. People are, are dying. Death is real. You're going to die. 
Hell is real. Without Jesus Christ, there is no hope for your friends, for your relatives who are lost. There is no hope. It's your duty. You need to be serious to share the gospel with your friends and relatives. As I mentioned this morning, my co-worker, he insisted so many times. He said, let's go to church. Come with me to church. Uh, and uh, I said, why should I come to church? I don't want to be any. He kept telling me. So keep telling your friends and co-workers, come to church. Come to church. Because you never know if they can get saved or what they might become. They might become pastors, missionaries. Uh, and thank God. So, um, and at the end, I'm going to close with prayer request. Um, pray for salvation of my family in Iran. Pray for our media ministry to have a great impact on salvation of many Farsi-speaking people. And pray for planting of many Persian Baptist churches around the world. And provision of monthly support as we do deputation with Baptist World Mission. And also pray for Emily, my wife, to learn the Farsi language. And uh, so we going to close in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. And Lord, you are building your church even in a closed country like Iran. And so many people have come to Christ, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in Iran and around the world. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to acknowledge that gospel has the power to save souls. And help us to be committed to fulfill that great commission so that people would have chance to hear the gospel, uh, to get saved, and Lord, that we would be blameless from, from their blood, that when we stand before you, that we would be confident that we did our duty. We were able to be your witnesses, as you mentioned, that when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you'll, be, you'll receive power. You'll be what my witnesses. So Lord, work in our hearts and help us to be... Uh, on fire and spreading the gospel in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.